Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And if this is your second time, welcome back. Thanks for listening. This is Old Head, the podcast where some old dude rambles on about music. And I am said old dude. My name is Steven. And uh, let's get into it. So I received some encouraging feedback after the first episode, and I thank you all. And um, thanks for subscribing. If you're listening to this on uh, YouTube, uh, make sure that you like it and subscribe and comment and do all that shit. And uh, if this is on Apple Podcasts, same thing. Subscribe to it. Like it. Do things. And also, if you want to send me any questions outside of that, you can send them to oldheadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so all of that shit out of the way. What are we going to talk about this time? So I thought about that, and I realized that I am doing a podcast about rock and roll for the most part. And as of late, I've seen a lot of articles and chit-chat on the internet about whether or not rock is dead. And it's a good question. So I thought we'd tackle that, because if it is dead, what is this podcast? Is it in memoriam? Maybe that's fine. Maybe that's appropriate. Who knows? So I did a little research, just looking at the popularity of rock music over the past, you know, 30 or so years, and just the names that would pop up and what I would find when I'm digging around a little bit. So the one thing that we have to address is that in 2018, the most popular music, I think, in the world was hip-hop, which is great. And then the uh, uh, the number one album on the Billboard charts was Drake. Okay, good album. I'm with that. And so I was like, well, let's go back 10 years and let's see what the number one album was in 2008. The number one album in 2008 was Lil Wayne, Hip Hop Again. So I said, all right, let's go back 10 more years. 1998, the 90s. Surely this has to be a number one album that's rock and roll. The number one album of the entire year. Number one album of 1998, the Titanic soundtrack. Let's go 10 more years back. All right, let's go to 1988. There was a lot of rock going on. Hair metal was all uh, the rage. There was thrash metal going on. There was just regular old rock bands that were still kicking it. Aerosmith had made a comeback, and they were doing well around that time, too. So what was the number one album of 1988? George Michael. Once again, not rock in roll at all. So it's really interesting to look at things that way. And so I just picked other random years... And on the Billboard charts in 1982, what was the number one song? The number one song was Olivia Newton-John. Skip forward 10 years to 1992, the number one song is Boys to Men. So, I'm not seeing any rock and roll. Let's skip forward 10 years. 2002, what was the number one song on the Billboard charts? Are you all sitting comfortably? The number one song in 2002 was Nickelback. Hey, we got some rock and roll. It isn't the rock and roll that you wanted, I bet, but it's on there. So out of all of those things, 
the number one thing was not rock and roll at all. So the question could be posed, what exactly was it that died? So in further research, I was looking at the top selling rock bands of all time. Narrowed it down a little bit. I used the word rock in my search. The top seven of the best-selling rock bands of all time all started in the 60s or the 70s. The Beatles, Led Zeppelin, The Eagles. These are all older bands. So you could ask, well, was the rock and roll peak in the 70s that long ago? Or is it because these artists have been around long enough and released enough greatest hits compilations over and over again that that's why they're the best-selling bands of all time? I mean, the number one selling album of all time is the Eagles' greatest hits. So, hey, there's a little quote-unquote rock and roll that's left a pretty big mark. But if we're talking about rock and roll being huge, in my opinion, and maybe it's because this is when I came of age, but to me, the late 80s and early 90s is when rock and roll appeared to be this beast that could not be tamed. It was everywhere. If you think about 1989, 1989, there were bands like Faith No More and the Red Hot Chili Peppers that were kind of like unusual rock bands. Kids, if you don't remember, the Red Hot Chili Peppers used to not just be mom rock. They used to be a little bit edgy. And at that same time, in 1989, there was also the boom of thrash that was happening. There were hair bands that were still super popular, releasing you know multi-platinum and whatnot albums. And you also had the burgeoning grunge scene that within a few years would all of a sudden overtake everything. So if you think about that, sure, there were all these different kinds of rock and roll bands that were all popular, along with your big arena acts like your Aerosmith and your Def Leppard and things like that. But if that was the case, then why were the number one albums not ever rock and roll albums? And maybe I just chose the wrong years to do my research, but still, it's an interesting question. And I think maybe it's because rock and roll was very popular but it wasn't more popular than pop music, like around that time, Paula Abdul or something like that. And my theory is because there were so many different subgenres of rock and roll that were all experiencing success. But I don't know if everyone listened to every kind of rock music. Now, I was weird. I did. I was into anthrax and living color and faith no more and poison and you know what have you I, I but i don't think that i was the norm so i think that most people were like hey i'm into thrash metal i don't want to hear what aerosmith has going on or i really like this def leppard what is this metallica crap it's too aggressive so all of these different forms of rock and roll were all having success but there probably wasn't a whole lot of crossover, so nothing was getting the backing 
that Paula Abdul was getting. Whereas if it's pop music, it's just pop music. Everyone who listens to pop music is listening to Paula Abdul. Everyone who listens to rock and roll is listening to different kinds of rock and roll. So that's just a theory of why it seemed huge but didn't have that kind of chart-topping impact. And then even a few years later, when grunge exploded and you had Nirvana and Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, all those guys topping the charts, you still had your Warrants and Def Leppards and Skid Rows all still releasing music. Skid Row released an album that was the number one album in the country when it came out. So it was still pretty divided, even though grunge was this huge juggernaut. And then you skip forward to like 1993. In 1993, Morbid Angel was on a major label. A death metal band on a major label. And then, in 1993 also, see, it's hard to remember how brief everything happened from this far away. It seemed like grunge was this thing that lasted for quite a while. But if you remember, in 1993, there was already this second wave of sound-alike grunge bands that were coming out. And so things were moving really fast, and there wasn't any kind of real focus with rock and roll. Major labels were all grasping for the next big thing, which was a really good thing, because for a few years there... Even some fucking weird-ass bands got major label deals. And I think that's great. Because some of them are still around today. Some of them took their quote-unquote success a little too seriously and ended up burning out. But it was exciting for music fans because it was like all this amazing music was just coming out and had major label backing and had music videos. And it was just a lot of fun. In 1994, Pantera had the number one album in the country with Far Beyond Driven. But the number one album overall for 1994 was the Lion King soundtrack. You see what I'm getting at here? So what is going on today? Why does it seem that rock and roll is quote-unquote dead? Well, it could be, without pointing any fingers, it could be because by the late 90s into the early 2000s, things got a little bit watered down. I think what happened is they tried to recreate the success of pop music with rock and roll by deciding that everything needs to be down this one path. So all of a sudden you weren't having weird bands signed up on major labels. It was this band that sounds kind of like Korn And then this other band that sounds kind of like Korn, or whatever, you know, I don't want to point fingers at Korn. They're they're a great band. But if you see what I mean, that instead of having all of this stuff everywhere for fans to, to devour, it was just kind of one thing. Everything kind of became this hodgepodge of um, aggressive dude metal and, and pop punk and you could probably reach out and grab from your memory a half a dozen groups that sort of fall into that category. So did fans not want a variety? I don't think that's the case. I think, you know, I still did 
But I fell off of the whole rock and roll train for a little while because of that, because there just didn't seem to be as much that was interesting. So let's move ahead to now, though. In the age of the internet, and I know you all know what I'm talking about, you're, you're on your Facebook or your Instagram or whatever, and people everywhere want to have their voice be heard. They all have opinions. And because of that, it's shining a light on humanity, American humanity. And the thing that I keep seeing pop up over and over again that is shocking to me is rock and roll fans who are complaining that this or that rock artist is too liberal or is anti-establishment or is putting politics in their music when they shouldn't. And it's baffling to me because that's what rock and roll is. You go back and listen to any of your classic rock and roll bands, there are are war protest songs and songs about social issues, and none of them are conservative-sounding voices in all of the rock music that I think is amazing. Thrash metal. Thrash metal was all anti-establishment. And yet today, I go to Sacred Reich's Facebook page, and people are telling them to stop talking about politics and just stick to their music. I'm like, bitch, have you ever heard a Sacred Reich song? So it's sort of shining a light on the fact that I think rock and roll fans are lost. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sh- I don't know exactly what the problem stems from, but the general public appears to be the issue here. There is not the same open-mindedness and acceptance of different things to let rock and roll thrive the way that it used to. It almost reminds me of Elvis, 1956. No, we can't show him from the waist down. What? What the fuck does that? What the hell? What's that all about? And then in the 80s, you had your your satanic paranoia, and you had the PMRC with Tipper Gore. That's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the people that rock and roll was fighting against all of a sudden are the rock and roll fans? I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But either way, it just seems like in the past, the general public's voices and acceptance of rock and roll was much louder, and therefore there was more money to be made. And so there was this free-for-all that we got to experience. If you were there, if you're younger, I'm sorry, but you can go back and go to your YouTube and and your music provider of choice and listen to some shit from the late 80s and early 90s. Most of it's really fucking good. Even the shit that I didn't really like that much back then, it, it has a new freshness to me. Maybe it's just my obsession with nostalgia. Well, it probably is. Let's be honest. But either way, you bring us to today, and no matter how you want to slice it up, rock and roll is no longer the beast that it used to be. And I think maybe it's because rock and roll is the music of the underdog. Rock and roll 
if you look at you know your quote unquote poets of rock and roll music, John Lennon, Kurt Cobain, throw him in there, uh, David Bowie. Just if you listen to them, they're they're not writing songs about partying and everything being amazing. And so maybe that's what the problem is, is people don't want to listen to music about being on the bottom. And I get that. I don't always want to listen to heavy-ass shit. Sometimes it's nice to listen to a little love song or a good old party anthem, but that's not rock and roll. A little bit of it is, but the best shit is not. So is rock and roll dead? I don't think that's the right way to put it. I think that it's kind of gone back where it belongs, in the underground. Now, what needs to happen is there needs to be another underground revolution like we had in the 80s. We need to have all these independent bands making a big splash and doing interesting things so people will start going to see them and then these major label record executives that still exist, there's not as many, but there's they're out there, but they start seeing that these small independent weird rock and roll bands are starting to pack hundreds of kids into the clubs. And then all of a sudden, we can start building it up just like it happened in the 80s, where all of a sudden, the big wigs start seeing that there's a demand for different kinds of, not just rock and roll, but music. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. It's out of my hands. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm not wanting to travel around in a van and play for nothing. But I know what that feels like to want to do that. And I just hope that there's enough hungry kids out there that the shit will start happening all over again. The point of all this rambling is not to actually provide an answer because I'm the first person to say that any one opinion, including mine, is not correct. So do what you will with what I've presented here, and maybe you're young and you're listening to this. And maybe you're about to start a band, or you want to start a band, or you're already in a band. And all I can say is, just fucking do it. Don't let anybody get in your way. Don't worry if you don't make money for a long time. Just push yourselves and do interesting things and make music that makes you feel something. And eventually, you're going to find that other people want to feel those things too. So, that's about it for this episode of Old Head. Uh, Thanks for uh, listening, if you've lasted this long. I love you. You're the best. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment. Send me an email at oldheadpodcast at gmail.com. And if for some reason you'd like to follow my day-to-day bullshit, I'm on Instagram at oldhead.tx. So, thanks for listening. Keep the rock in your pocket. Shit. See, I tried to do some sort of a sign-off saying. I can't think of a good sign-off saying. That's what you should email me. 
send me an email suggesting what my sign-off saying will be. Because right now, I got nothing. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.